Welcome to the third series of the LT Chat Show. My name is Roger Saunders, Associate Professor and University Teacher Fellow, and this podcast is about all things teaching and learning in HE. I hope you enjoyed today's show, and if you'd like to participate, check out my contact details in the episode description. Welcome to the LT Chat Show, and today my guest is Karen Clinkett. Uh, Karen, do you want to tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Thank you, Roger. Yes, um, I'm Karen Clincard. I'm a principal teaching fellow at University of Southampton. Uh, I teach marketing and I'm also doing some research about the interface between employability and enterprise or entrepreneurial thinking uh, with students. So I'd listened to your June podcast uh, with Angie Nags from University of Queensland, Australia. Right. And I was inspired to get in touch with you and say, I've got something I'd like to add. Excellent. I, I wish more people would. Um, I, Despite my constant badgering and, and uh, reiteration of the desire to have more people get in contact with me, there, there appear to be for what is a profession of really performers a, a lot of uh, shy retiring wallflowers out there or at least that's what I'm, I'm hoping and it's it's not just something personal interesting as well uh, you're one of the few people that I've had who teaches in in the same area as me um, so I'll be paying particular interest but I know that today you wanted to talk about something called the agile model and I'm hoping it's spelled a-g-i-l-e it is wait to see you're nodding excellent um, which you gave to me as a description uh, of um, it helps students to write their own reflective narratives. And I've I've asked students on numerous occasions before um, to write reflections, and, and often that has not gone well, largely I have to say down to me and probably how I've explained it. So um, I'm particularly interested in this today. We discussed before we started the recording that, that this is actually a model that you've developed yourself. So take us back to the point before you developed it, what what was the thing that you were trying to address or what were the things which inspired you to, to sort of create this model? Great, thank you. Um, so actually, I was working at a different university just along the coast in Portsmouth at the time uh, as a principal lecturer and a course leader for the marketing degrees. Myself and a number of colleagues all um, in the most polite way, we were all mature students. <laughs> decided to do masters and then PhDs and uh, as kind of career and professional development and so we each went off and found our own research projects and at the time I was really intrigued by the journey my students marketing students when they came back to their final year after their placement year out in industry what their experiences were and so I conducted a range of interviews um, with students who'd come back and I wanted to compare and contrast their experiences of working in a really large organisation, your IBMs and your Microsofts, to really small, they'd never heard of it prior to applying um, firms as well and sort of entrepreneurial ventures. And I had made an assumption that the, the students coming from either setting, large or small business, would have had a wildly different experience. But I was really quite surprised when they were talking to me, but actually, no, they weren't. They both felt this um, feeling of being very responsible for being very kind of visible in their organisation, um, that if something was to go wrong, they, you know, felt that there was a real pressure in the large organisation. This is a multi-billion pound uh, industry. They can't possibly do something, you know, to uh, go wrong or, or um, something that hasn't worked well in the workplace. 
but at the same time, someone who worked for maybe the owner developer or the the independent entrepreneur who this was their business, this was their lifeline, was equally feeling that pressure. And I thought, oh, there's something in that, you know, because when you as a lecturer, as a personal tutor, as a careers advisor, whatever is your professional area in higher education, when you're having those conversations with students who are thinking about applying to roles, the first thing they do is think about CV fodder. And they think about the conversation they can have with their friends and their family about, oh, I've just landed myself X, Y, Z, brilliant job with this well-known blue chip company. And then the students who are kind of getting the jobs with these smaller, never heard of them, felt a little bit of like a, I don't know whether it was a shame or embarrassment that like, oh, yeah, well, they've never heard of it, but it's a great job. You know, I had to kind of build it up. I thought, why do they see them as so mutually exclusive given the students I've just spoken to who come back from placement have said their experience was just as brilliant just as relevant just as responsible just as important to them so I thought there was really something in there about trying to expand and encourage the wider range of roles to students and wider uh, perspectives or contexts or working environments that they would expose themselves to and really then taking those students from placement year and getting them to talk to the second years who were thinking about applying and the first years who were just joining. And then even the final years talking to alumni who were out working or even had started up their own venture. So I started looking at the literature and um, at that time, gosh, about 10 years ago, the literature around um, student employability as we call it in HE. And interestingly, Angie Nags wasn't a fan of calling it employability and nor was I as a term, but the literature kind of dealt with employability and enterprise development or startup aspiration or uh, entrepreneurial uh, thinking, entrepreneurial opportunistic thinking is kind of discrete within the mm. literature. And interestingly, the publications that you could publish papers into, which I started doing after completing the master's and starting a PhD pub by publication, um, the literature is also very discreet. You know, there's kind of higher education uh, and education based papers and there are marketing and employability and marketing development papers. And then there are um teaching entrepreneurship in higher education based papers but never the twain shall meet kind of thing and i know that that's changed a lot since then but it kind of struck me that why are these seen as completely sort of divergent uh, routes and at the time before we had the graduate outcome survey the recording that was done at the time of graduate destinations was also quite discreet so in terms of uh, a student would land a job upon graduation within six months at that time and they would either be employed or not employed or doing further study and that was kind of it. So I'm glad that the graduate destinations and graduate outcomes auditing at least now looks at freelancing, self-employment and the size of business you're working in and the kind of role you're in. But what I really was finding at that point then, say 10 years ago, when I first sort of was discussing and discovering this agile model, um, I did a bit of uh, co-research with two colleagues from Portsmouth, Judith Fletcher Brown and Karen Middleton. And we were sat discussing this kind of divergence in the literature. And we said, 
employability is just not a word students use. I can't remember mm. the last time when in a conversation with a student, they actually said, I want to be, be employable, right? They talked about it in finite terms, like, I would like to be employed, I would like to get a job. They also didn't really like the word career, because it kind of felt like forever. And that that was going to be kind of an end point rather than a development journey. And us being, you know, educators, we see everything as a development journey that you never stop learning. So um, we had a discussion around the word employability and we thought, actually, looking at um, like Len Holmes work on trajectories, for example, um, he was saying that students are more likely to have a kind of stepstone career now, that they're more likely to move from employer to employer, from role to role, from context, large, small, etc., to others. And so therefore, they're going to have to be quite agile, They're going to have to be quite able to adapt and change over time. I thought, oh, there's something in there. So we coined the phrase in our first paper that was jointly co-authored. Um, as employ agility instead of employ ability. So changing the B to a G. And then I thought, oh, again, you know, this potentially is a concept then, you know, what can I come and find from the literature that brings those elements of trying to become more able to be employed with thinking about a broader range of employability or employment situations, which could include small business, large business, etc. So really, the idea has actually come out the reading that you were doing sort of for your master's degree and then subsequently for the for the PhD um, in that, you know, I, I mean, I, I think I might have mentioned this before in a podcast, but I started a PhD in 97, did it for two years, lost the will to live. Um, and frankly, a menorah of anyone who can focus their energy so specifically on something. But it's, it's also based then on your on your conversations with students, particularly those who have actually been out on uh placements so yes by all means if you want to define the model but then i want or what well, i'm sorry i would like um if you can explain sort of how this interacts then with the the specifics because you know we've, we've mentioned angie and i thought the interesting thing about what she was saying is that instead of trying to well to feel like perhaps sometimes we're shoehorning in employability skills actually what we should be doing is just looking at what things are done as part of uh, a teaching program whether that's at program level or or module level and how do they relate to the things that we can then go on um, and use in various different jobs and I I, you know it's a cute phrase to say employer agility um, but that has got me thinking about yes how much actually, uh, you know, well, we probably have all experienced it, but certainly our students are more likely to have to experience that idea of not thinking in a, you know, single linear route to a particular exactly. point that, you know, there will be a lot of skipping around. So, yes, by all means, it start, yeah. starts off with a, a sort of definition and then if we can look at the more uh, okay. practical or embedded side. So um, one of the key bits of reading that really struck me um was around 2012, and it's been reissued later in 2018, was the QAA guidance around employability and enterprise development. And there, they were really making, in my view, at that time of reading in 2012, the most explicit connection between employability being a journey, which should include 
behaviours, attributes and competencies that lead to a range of employment and entrepreneurship outcomes. So they um, had a model which then linked to or illustrated the journey that someone might need to go through if they want to be a little bit more entrepreneurial in their thinking. Even if they end up working for the fantastic blue chip companies, they can still be intrapreneurial. So changing the E for an I. So working in an entrepreneurial way within a larger environment um, business. So they looked at things like being aware, uh, having a set of competencies, being effective and effectuation. So work from Sarah Sarasvati was um, really inspirational for me. And then this word mindset. So I'm not a psychologist by background, but one of my PhD supervisors was. So I particularly, I chose three supervisors internally. One was a professor in entrepreneurship. Another was professor in education and another was professor in um, uh, psychology. So I kind of really wanted them to give me their thinking and how my model kind of fit, fitted together um, from each of those perspectives. So focusing on mindset and competence. One of the key things I think uh, leading to the development of Agile is this feeling that when you sit and have those conversations with students, and at the time I was teaching a first year module for um, 600 plus general business and other um, common first year business degree students, and it was kind of a dragon's den, come up with an entrepreneurial idea, business development uh, module, that we were having conversations and, and some students come to the conversation readily. They're, they're all over it, they're passionate, they're enthusiastic, they really are thinking and they're firing out ideas. And then other students sit quietly by and they don't have a lot of confidence and they don't really want to speak out. And you think, well, how, how am I going to actually reach those people? So doing a lot of kind of peer-to-peer -peer discussion and in those discussions and you kind of walk around the room and they're talking to one another the kinds of things they were discussing were you know the music they liked and um, the sports they enjoyed watching and um, the friends that they had back home and you know these being first years the kind of concerns and fears they had about being here and and transitioning into university life and it really got me thinking about this expectation or or maybe um a feeling as educators that we we receive students into university as empty vessels at point zero and i thought well actually no they're not because they're already 18 years old plus and they've already done something before they came here so where in my job where when i'm teaching do i actually stop take the time and one by one individually listen to each of those students about well what have they ever done what what's their background where have they come from what have they done that was a demonstration of and here we go agile being adaptable being a gatherer of people ideas funding you know a networking kind of um competence um understanding their current aspirational and future identity so being very aware of who they are and what informs the way that they approach learning talking doing acting etc uh, the perspective that they have that this is a lifelong learning journey so we've done agile adaptable um, uh, gathering identity awareness lifelong learning and then kind of entrepreneurial thinking so being opportunistic 
problem solving, being creative, coming up with ideas, always considering something as a as a next opportunity to learn and develop and do something different. So um, one of the things I thought would help students kind of develop and it's concept I called in my first paper, celebrating small wins. I asked students to think in this kind of reflective narrative approach about any time ever since birth, so not just since they've joined university, where they have demonstrated something, an example of being adaptable or a gatherer or identity awareness, and kind of to score themselves on a score of one to five of being either really good at it or not very good at it. Because I was aware that when you ask students to kind of score themselves just on its own, um, they, I'm trying to identify where I haven't got things. Whereas when you ask them to write a reflective narrative that gives an example of them having done that thing, it changes the perspective, the polarity of changes to celebrating something that I wouldn't ordinarily have had a conversation with my lecturer or a careers advisor or personal tutor about because it's not something that would have popped up in conversation in the process of learning a module. Do, do you have any examples of the kinds of things that, that came up? Because, I mean, were yeah. any of them things that kind of surprised you? Yes. Um, what surprised me was how some students were very personal uh, and were thinking very deeply about, for example, I don't know, one that pops into my mind. A student mentioned having owned a horse. I thought, well, when on earth <laughs> teaching marketing or business would I have learned that a student owned a horse? And I was thinking, oh. So they've moved away from home. They've come to a different city. You know, what's happened to the horse? Did they have to sell it? You know, is, is, are their family looking after it? Do they have siblings who are younger? You know, what's going on? And suddenly pop, pop, pop all these questions. And it came up from something as, you know, very kind of left of field as owning a horse. Um, and then they talked about how they then had to get up early. They had to go to the stables. They had to care for the horse, make sure it was fed, look after its health um clean out the stables uh take it for exercise you know and and the the responsibility of that so that student may never have actually formally done a job as it were or have ever done an entrepreneurial enterprise challenge but they've owned a horse so they've had to time manage they've had to problem solve they've had to um think about the needs of others they've had to manage finance they've had to manage you know multiple responsibilities they've had to probably kind of network you know use their friends and their family to help them now that they're not going to be at home and all of this was nothing to do with marketing nothing to do mm. with business but it was something that they could kind of bring in as an example of i'm actually really good at these things and i can demonstrate them through this example so it really um was encouraging to me uh, that students were celebrating things that university didn't otherwise ask them about. And then I said, well, put that in your social media profile, put it on LinkedIn, put it in your CV, put it in um, a conversation that you possibly would have in an interview situation as an example of something where you can demonstrate you have a skill and um, you know it could be a conversation starter. So all of a sudden, students were kind of feeling a bit more kind of inflated and encouraged and confident. And, and given what we've seen happen for a lot of teenagers and young people through the pandemic, 
they really need this confidence. They really need this kind of personal boost and they need to feel that they have something credible they can bring forward, even if it doesn't involve them having once ever done a job. I mean, at Southampton, um, I would say perhaps slightly different type of financial, economic and aspirational background students that I've been teaching there. Some of them have never needed to do a job, <laughs> have mm. never needed to earn their own income. But that then where do they start when you ask them to write a CV? You know, what could they possibly write down? And then you see them kind of sitting there blankly thinking, oh, gosh, yeah. Um, how would I demonstrate a skill? How would I demonstrate that I could do this, that an employer could trust me to do a great job? I thought, yeah, there's really something in there and asking them to reflect and write these narratives. Uh, certainly my experience in it, having been involved in careers, employability and, and developmental stuff, both as a personal tutor and also helping out on, you know, I'm sure this is the same for many institutions. Instead of having a traditional reading week, there are often weeks when there's no teaching. But what what is put on is lots of stuff relating to uh, the various things that would be important to students. And given that we both teach business students, um, you, know, you know, a large part of that is this idea of employability is certainly Again, in my experience, many of the students who come onto the the kinds of courses that I, I'm involved with, um, when you ask them about, you know, what made you choose this particular course? And they'll often say, well, I don't really know. You mm -hmm. know, mum wanted me to or mum or dad or parent, guardian, whatever it might be, or even the school, you know, said, oh, you should go to university. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I thought, well, I'll do this because this is the one that most clearly seems to align with then getting a job at the end of it which is this employability thing but I've also faced students where you know if I'm doing a, a CV thing with them and I say okay well you know what what have you got in your CV oh I haven't really got anything I haven't really done anything and yet when you start to ask them about you know sports or uniform groups or music or whatever you find actually they've done loads of things they just don't think of them in that way do you think um, and again I, I don't want to move too far from the models I want you to be able to talk a little bit more about that but do you think that that is something that there's a reason why in their minds those things don't work towards employability is it something we should be addressing and should we be referring to them as employability skills or do we need to actually be thinking about them as, as something else because i'm thinking about in later life um for example i'm part of the cmbe scheme you, you know people tend to talk about continual professional development but isn't that just a fancier name for what the kinds of things that, you know, when you're 18, 19, 20, we talk about as employability or actually should it be something else? Yeah, that's really interesting. I've just this this month signed up for CMBE and I've been trying to keep track of my CPD as well. So I've been having a similar kind of um, internalisation. So yes, yes and yes. So all the points you just <laughs> said. Um, so. Agile can be used as a teaching model at any level. It could be undergrad or postgrad. Um, it's a Google form or a Microsoft form, an online um, survey, and the student can decide whether they wish to share it with the tutor or a personal tutor or a careers advisor if they wish. And they can also keep access to it and use the link in future to go back and edit it and, and improve it and add it. And that is kind of the idea that this is a lifelong journey and that that student could do it even after they left university. They could keep going back and reflecting, even taking agile and thinking into their workplace. 
Um, so with the idea that they would constantly be reflecting and, and action planning to do something else, to learn something else, is the idea that I grade myself on the aspects of agile and then actually look at what could I do to improve the level that I'm at in any one of those five criteria or is it to play to the strengths of um, what the the agile uh, assessment shows me? Uh, well that was my next paper that I developed and delivered at a conference it was looking at the polarity um, of students um, it, and there's something that we use in um, advertising research called VIT and the EBBM model, which looks at either fear uh, demonstrations in advertising to kind of, I, I don't know, let's take sustainability. Do you draw uh, and, and illustrate, you know, polar bears in shrinking ice cap situations? Or do you um, use a David Attenborough beautiful seascape with you know loads of marine life jumping freely and frolicking you know so do you use a fear appeal appraisal or do you use a um a hope uh, approach and so interestingly in the way in which students wrote their narratives when i was doing a very sort of qualitative thematic semantic analysis of what did they say and how did they say it and how did they phrase it there was this kind of different approach of different types of maybe personality. Again, I'm not a psychologist, so I didn't have the kind of um, scope within the scale to, to understand that, but I was lo looking for themes. Were they talking about, I needed to do this job or I needed to do this uh, enterprise competition because I felt like I didn't have that skill and I would miss out on future placement roles if I didn't go do it. So that's a fear approach or a positive approach was I recognised I could be quite good at these things. And I was the leader of the netball team. So therefore, I thought, well, I'll go out to some local businesses and see if I could get some sponsorship for the halftime drinks, etc. So that's more of a hope approach. So um, for me, if one tool enables students from either mindset and either kind of polarity approach to come to the same outcome, then brilliant, we've we've done the job because we know not all students come from the same background, whether that's ethnic or cultural or familial or first or more generation to university or aspirational background financial background, level of experience background, you know, this is a broad range of very different students and very different individuals. I just felt that all the mechanisms that we kind of use are a little bit kind of one t-shirt fits all approach. Mm. So I wanted this to be more of an individual personal opportunity and I was quite surprised how students would really take it that personally. Um, one of the things I'm interested in, you know, uh, clearly this is something which for you personally has been ongoing for a while. Mm -hmm. So have you had uh, the opportunity to speak to students who've been engaged with Agile for a period of time, perhaps even the whole of their, mm -hmm. their time at university? And have they demonstrated an, an impact of that, either that it's helped them to assess themselves or they've recognised ways in which they have changed and developed and hopefully improved over a, a period of time? Yes, and that has reminded me of the other point I wanted to make. Thank you. Excellent. Um, 
So very recently via LinkedIn, somebody who graduated at least 10 years ago got in touch with me out of the blue. And then I realised that they're working as a marketing manager, literally five minutes drive down the road from where I live. And I was like, what? How did I not know? That person, when they were a recent graduate, I invited them to come back as an alumnus and talk to the current um, cohort. Uh, first year, second year and final year, we were lucky enough to have kind of an induction event with all of the cohort and with the students who just come back from placement. And um, he very kindly um, had said, Do you know what? Yeah, I really thought looking at the agile model has been helpful even since I've graduated. And coming back to talk to the current cohort, it was really a, a useful process for him to go. Yes, I felt that there were things I knew I was doing that were great and that were contributing to my future employability and entrepreneurial um, development whilst I was here. Looking at it in my first and second year, because the students would do the agile model evaluation once in the first year and then again in the second year, that they would then actively be reflecting on the areas that they'd seen as perhaps gaps and hadn't realised that there were things in the university system that they could do, such as going to the enterprise challenge team, uh, applying for a big ideas fund or going to the careers team and having a one on one, uh, sitting down with their personal tutor and showing them by choice their, their uh, agile reflection statement and saying, what else could I do? Or going into LinkedIn and actively trying to connect with people who are in a role that they would aspire to uh, do in the future and having the confidence to start a conversation based on something that they'd brought out in their, their narrative. Um, so yes, yeah, so it would like, I would like to think that for me, the research itself would kind of have a trajectory and it would have a kind of a longevity and I would like to do some kind of later reflections. It's very hard. I know that my PhD supervisor had attempted to do some entrepreneurial thinking and awareness kind of uh, reflection. And he was looking at people who graduated from his university 10 years post. And it was really hard to try and track people and, and get the same respondents as you, you'd had um, from the initial stages. Um, but interesting for me, one of the, the key bits of learning I'm getting from different iterations of using the agile process and with full ethical approval um, at both institutions where I've used it, it's becoming almost like a, a, a data bank. So Angie and I, you know, we would agree that this, this term employability is, is kind of an un, uh, an unusual phrase and one that isn't natural for students. And I mentioned earlier at the start of the podcast that this term career seems too long term and, you know, signing mm -hmm. your, your name in blood. So the ways in which students have phrased things can then be useful as a bank of ways of phrasing the way you do employability, teaching, learning and development mm -hmm. within the university setting. So it becomes its own kind of bank of phrases and terminology and expressions to improve the way you talk about employability to students. So not calling it employability, but using the words that students have phrased themselves within the narrative. So that, I think, is a really exciting, almost like machine learning kind of approach. Yeah. So if somebody would like to learn a little bit more uh, about the model, um, or indeed if they're thinking of, of uh, potentially 
uh, implementing this process what what would be the best thing for them to do is there is there somewhere they can go obviously we can put some uh, references into the episode description um or is there anything that they would need to think about sort of quite a lot before they um they went ahead no it's absolutely designed to be something you could pick up off the shelf and start using of course please do get in touch with me through my university email um i will after we've done the podcast and you share your link i'm very happy to share the link to my um, professional page on the University of Southampton staff pages and from there you can see all of my publications so you can have a look at the papers that I've written about it from a quantitative and qualitative perspective you know how does agile work in terms of using the the form very happy to share it and it just becomes then a, an email survey link um, I've also got a kind of a tutorial lesson plan uh, that staff can pick up and use. I'm very happy um, to, to share it out. Uh, I think there is a um, textbook that had used it in the online learning VLE equivalent um, that has been adopted by a couple of other institutions. So absolutely happy for it to go as broadly as possible for all of those reasons, because of the kind of machine learning um, from it. OK, uh, well, that's been really interesting. Certainly, I'm going to have a, a bit of an investigate because it's fired off a lot of things with me. Employability is always going to be a big issue, even if perhaps we shouldn't be using that particular term. Mm. Um, and it's, especially with uh, the first years that I have, because we're now teaching in blocks and final year students, because they are beginning to think about the world outside. Uh, but yeah. for the moment, at least, Karen, thank you so much for your time today. You're really welcome. Thank you so much, Roger.